your average podcast. It's not a political show. It's a podcast about church culture and the culture at large, viewed through the lens of Scripture. It's the Richards Revelations podcast with Scott Richards. Here's your host, Scott Richards. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Scott Richards. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we try to live our lives just a little bit better, as we look at things with the lens of Scripture and then apply it to our life. I want to encourage you to share these podcasts. And if you're liking them, go ahead and hit the like and follow icon and or subscribe. You can follow us on our Richard's Revelations podcast Facebook page or on other social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Gab, Parler, and YouTube under Scott Allen Richards. If you'd like to participate in the ongoing production of this podcast, there's information below on how you can donate if you're so inclined. Once again, I am truly thankful that you take the time to listen to these podcasts. This week's podcast, Church Leaders, Where Are the Men?, is primarily directed to church leaders, but it's beneficial for all. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the ways to attract men to church, to Christianity, to be open to Christianity, to entertain the idea of Christianity without compromising the truth of God's Word and capitulating to the culture in the midst of our culture, which seems to be so over-feminized in all aspects of life. And it seems and appears that some of that, and I'll explain this, has worked its way into the church. So I first want to get into a couple scriptures, then I want to discuss what prompted this, and I'm going to have somewhat of a dialogue today, a one-sided dialogue, and thinking out loud on some things that I've observed that could be a hindrance to men being attracted to church or Christianity. And I'm speaking of the unchurched guy, the guy who has real no connection to church or Christianity. What I mean by that, we have so many people today that are several generations removed from any connection at all to Christianity or church. Sometimes you will speak to them and they are actually clueless. They can't even give you some basic stuff that in times past people understood, could tell you, and whether they fully understood and even still rejected any of it, there still was a familiarity to it because either their parents or their grandparents went to church. And so there was some sort of influence in their life, a connection point to Christianity. But as I said, there are so many people out there today that there's so many generations removed, they don't have any personal connection to someone whom is faithfully attending church and living out a biblical Christian life. And so let's first jump into a couple of things that applies to all of us that Jesus tells us in Mark 16, 15, one of my favorites. This passage has spoken uh, to me at even at the earliest of ages. Mark chapter 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creations. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And then another passage over here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Now, that applies to men as well. And you're like, well, it's a no-brainer, of course. But I want to emphasize this because I'm talking about men and trying to attract men to church. 
we need to be going about church life in such a way that it can attract non-churched men. Now, what started all this? Well, I don't know if it was last year or something like that, where we had a couple events at our church on the calendar, a couple planned activities. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm humorous and I, you know, look at things and find humor in it. And I looked at the calendar for the same day, and the men were having a men's breakfast. Essentially, we were going to go hang out at the park, which we did. We had uh, breakfast burritos, sat around, sang a couple songs, and had a Bible study. Okay, nothing in and of that wrong, perfectly fine. But contrast that to what the women were doing that day. They had a hike planned. They were going hiking. So the humor in me says, well, look at that. We're all sitting around having a little Bible study in a park, and the women are out there hiking. And I said, it seems like the women are more manly than the men, just to be funny. Well, that kind of triggered something in my head. And so from then on, I've been gnawing at this idea of different things. And I'm looking around, as I do for things for this podcast and so forth, analyzing the church culture and stuff. And I realized, you know, and I'm going to use this term, and it's a poor term to use, but I think it's something people can understand and relate. But we market to women and children. Everything it seems that we do are things that are geared toward things women would enjoy and children would enjoy. Now, let me unpack this so that no one gets offensive. Because to follow up on that original joke, most recently I was sitting in a gathering of planning and I had made a brief comments before I had to run off, hit the freeway and, and be somewhere. So I wasn't able to unpack it and fully explain. And it's almost like I dropped this this bomb. I think some people understood what I was coming from. I don't think everybody did, but we were planning things. And I said, why don't we plan a day at the range, the shooting range for guys? And of course, we got noisy. You know, there's some people, I don't know, you know, there, there were, they didn't understand where it's coming from. They, I guess they felt like I meant, hey, let's, let's go plan a day at the range and go advertise it to everybody and anybody out there. And so then you have all these people that you don't know what their background is with a gun out there. And that's not what I was getting at. My point was, hey, why don't we set up something that is manly, that is for men, that attract men? Now, women use guns as well, and they're very good at it. But primarily, typically, when you think of things like going to the gun range, going off-roading, going fishing, again, women do those as well. But the majority of the people that do that are typically men, activities that men do. And my point was, hey, if we just decide to go plan a day at the range, and then those of us that have connection to or work with men who are unchurched, removed several generations or whatever from church, have no interest to going to church, might be interested to go hang out at the firing range with a bunch of other guys. And that, to me, could be a conduit, a way to open the door for these unchurched men to see other men outside of the walls of church doing manly things and seeing how their life is different might be the first opportunity to crack that wall that's there that's preventing them to engage or be interested in anything to do with Christianity or the church. And I said it because I'm thinking about, as I look around to all the different planned events and things that different churches plan, okay, we have things that are the same as every other category in church. So we might have a men's Bible study. Well, women have Bible study, children have Bible study, Youth have Bible study. Singles have Bible study. Okay, A breakfast, same thing. It's a time to eat together and have a Bible study. Men's conference. It's just another different setup to have a Bible study. Now, all those things are fine for the Christian, someone who's already received Christ 
enter into it and want to be fed more and gain more from God's word, they're all into it. But the unchurched guy, hey, you want to go to a Bible study with me? You want to go to men's breakfast with me? Okay, sometimes you might get somebody to say yes to that, but the majority of the time, they're not. They have no interest. The unchurched man has no interest. Now, you drag some guy to church, and then this is the next thing I said, which I, again, didn't unpack, and so people are like, <gasps> I said, look, even when they come to church, I says the worship is wimpy. Now, I wasn't specifically talking about our local church. I was speaking in generalities of the church culture at large. The writing, the lyrical writing of our worship songs today, it's, to say the least, it's not like it used to be. And it, it, it can come off as wimpy in the sense that you bring a guy in there, or anybody for that matter, and you listen to some of the songs, and it seems like they're having a romantic song written to God. Like it's, uh, women are very attracted to this sort of thing. It's like a love song. Now, if you're already a Christian, you can kind of relate to it and understand what is trying to be conveyed. But again, if you're a non-church guy and somehow you walked into a church door and you heard songs like, Hold Me Close, Longing for Your Touch, I Want to Feel Your Touch, I Can Feel You, and the list goes on to where there's, it seems like if you didn't know it was about Jesus, it's a romantic song of love to somebody. Long gone are the days of things like onward Christian soldiers, a mighty fortress is our God, victory in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, we got to go to hymns. I'm talking about the lyrical content of these old songs. Listen to some of these. Here's a couple uh, lyrics from onward Christian soldiers marching on to war with the cross of Jesus going on before Christ, the royal master leads against the foe forward into battle. See his banner go. Those are powerful, strong victory songs. Not this, I want to feel your touch. Hold me close. No offense, but there's a difference in that. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Powerful songs of strength, something that a non-church guy would see as not being wimpy or as a love song now again i'm not advocating oh we got to go back to the hymns because trust me when i was a younger guy i'm like hey all we do is the hymns we got a piano and organ and all we got is that and let's bring some of the contemporary and modern stuff in i wanted it i'm all for it but since then some of the lyrical content has changed a lot of it's unbiblical that's to start with but as again a lot of it is very very wimpy so our whole church culture at the moment isn't really attractive to the unchurched guy. And when I say that, I'm talking about a guy who goes out there and does labor. He works with his hands or whatever. He's out there working. I'm not talking about the guy who goes and gets his lips waxed and gets the manicures and everything's just so-so and has got the skinny jeans and the tight shirt. And, you know, we've got a very feminized culture that's 
having men act like women as well, and like I said, that's kind of worked its way in. You see some of these, even these, some of these worship leaders, again, no offense, but took on the styles of the culture, and they're up there with the little skinny jeans and the, you've seen it, all the stuff. That's not appealing to the unchurched guy who goes out there, works hard every day, and you want to go, hey, you want to come to church with me? And he walks in, it's like, what the heck? What are they singing? What, what's going on? Now, granted, if you can get them past that point and you've got some good, rich Bible teaching, then fantastic, which I know like we have at our church. It's good. But we got to get past the that song part, the worship part of that. And then again, it's even reflected in Christian music as a whole. CCM has to stamp their approval on stuff. Otherwise, it isn't getting radio play. And again, you, you listen to some of that stuff and it's quite frankly kind of wimpy. Some of it's good, but music wise and different things, it's like, man, it could be improved. You wonder why younger people still want to go out and listen to secular music. Apart from the horrible lyrics, yeah, but it's better music in some sense. So I think we need to step up our game in our writing. Not only should our writing be more theologically correct, and unfortunately that's a whole other podcast to talk about how unbiblical some of the writing is. You're coming out of Elevation and Bethel and Hillsong. There's so much unbiblical writing out there, but again, a lot of it is it's a bunch of I, 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 this or that kind of thing, and sounds like love songs. There's less of focus on God and more of how me, my connection, I'm involved in this. It's just a different way of writing stuff. So the main point of all this, getting to it, is we should be planning some events in our churches across the board. I don't care what denomination, non-denominational. Some things that would attract the non-church guy. And even men within the church like to do things that men like to do. Right now, Men are there, typically look around, the majority of men are married men with families. They're there, they love their wife, they love the Lord. And because the church has things that benefit their wife and their children, they're there, they're supportive. But how many things are targeted, and I'm talking about another men's breakfast or a conference or Bible study, those are all good and all age groups do that. But what about activities that are strictly designed for men that are enjoyable, that are typically known as being manly things? When's the last time... And some places, granted, some places are doing it, but majority, I'm saying overall the majority, we don't see things like fishing trips for the men, off-roading. You know, sometimes you'll have groups of people that go to the church and say, hey, I'm going to go do this. You want to go with me? And some guys will kind of go do that. But as far as a church sponsor, let's get this on the calendar, a men's event. We're going to take the men and, and, the, and the teenagers off-roading and invite some non-Christian men and their boys to go off-roading to hang out with other men who love the Lord or go out there and do fishing, something that men like to do. Not all, but it's something that most men would probably go do. A lot of men, as I said, would like to go to the outdoor uh, shooting range. Okay, Most of the times that we've done any of those things within the church have been, like I said, someone say, hey, I'm going to go do this. You want to go? And one person tells another and some guys go and do that. They don't necessarily invite any unchristian friends. It's basically the Christian guys get together and they'll go do something. But we should be doing these as an outreach. And that's where this all came from. You're talking about outreach. And I said, as an outreach, why don't we go to the shooting range? And some of the wives went, ah! You know, like I want some guy lunatic that, you know, unchurched guy out there. We don't know who he is going to come show up at a gun. I think that's unsafe. I understand their point. I, I didn't mean open it up to anybody that we don't know. I'm saying that somebody you know, like maybe it's another family member or a coworker. You've been working by their side, so you kind of know them. You know, they're not a lunatic, as it were. And you invite them out to do something like that. 
use it as an outreach. So we're not doing it just for fun, for fun's sake. It's in the course of trying to go out and preach the gospel, go out there and disciple and baptizing people by virtue of making some sort of connection with outside church men, bring them in to do something that men like to do generally inside and outside of the church that isn't a Bible study. And while there, they get exposed to guys that live and talk differently and act differently. And little by little with things like that, it might break down those barriers. And one day they might actually come to some men's breakfast or men's Bible study or come on a Sunday because they've already started to get a rapport and a friendship going with some of the other men out there on these outside activities that are both fun and an opportunity of outreach, to be used for outreach, to bring men into the church. And so when I say church leaders, where are the men? What are we doing to attract men? These are some of the things I think we need to actually think about and pray about. And this is not a slap on anybody or anything, but as a church culture at large, have we analyzed it and thought about it? Because yes, we are very focused on making sure that these other age categories are well taken care of. And women by nature like, because they have that nurturing and that part about their lifestyle that likes to be around and socialize and hang out with other women. And so it is actually easier to get some non-church woman to come to some women's day event. Hey, we're having this, you know, we're having a painting day and, and get some like music and a speaker or whatever. So it's like a women's conference or something. It's easier to get a woman to come to do that because they're going to hang out with a bunch of other women and do crafting or activities that women like to do. And they'll do that. You tell some unchurched guy, hey, you want to hang out with me? We're going to listen to the Bible be taught and we'll sing some songs and things. It's like, what? The unchurched guy, when we talk about sitting around and sing, that's kind of foreign to them because quite honestly, I mean, other than, you know, driving around in your car, your truck and sing to the radio, typically, unless you're in a band, guys don't sit around singing together. It's just, it's not something they do. Most of the time, they don't engage in deep, deep discussions either. They kind of just sit around and hang and that's friendship. So inviting them to a, another form of a Bible study and singing session isn't really going to be appealing to the person that is several generations removed from any connection to Christianity or the church. We must be doing something with this challenge, with this call, with this proclamation from Jesus to go out and preach to them, go out, disciple them, go out and get them, bring them in. We need more men to be in the church so as to have more men to be able to step up and do the things that we need men to do and to lead. You want to have healthy homes? You get the men born again, loving Jesus, being instructed in God's word, you get them into the church and in those settings so that they're getting the instruction of God's word, what it is to be a biblical husband, what it is to be a biblical father. You will change the homes of America or whatever country you're in. But in order to do that, you've got to get them to that point. And unfortunately, with some of the ways that we've been doing things, we've been doing church the same way for so long, it isn't going to be appealing so the unchurched guy out there, we must start looking at things. And again, we're not talking about compromise. I am not talking about like some of these churches that went all wacko and decided to bring in full-on secular music on the platform, doing things like Purple Rain and, and Stairway to Heaven, all these things, because they think that's going to be attractive to the world to get them world to feel comfortable at the church. I'm not talking about compromising that kind of stuff, bringing the world in. I'm talking about doing things that are amoral, fishing off-roading, day at the gun range, things like that. That's not unmoral. It's amoral. 
So it's not like we're bringing any corrupted thing from the world into the church because we're trying to get the world to come into the church. No. Why don't we start doing things that appeal to the non-church guy that isn't a compromise of the truth of God's word or compromising our witness in regards to the secularism when it comes to some of the trashy uh, performances that they do on stage in some of these churches that have become entertainment-driven churches. Now, I did a whole podcast on that, a little more deep into that whole thing. It's called the Entertainment-Driven Worship. You'll find it on the list of podcasts if you're interested in going back. There's actual clips and things that I play of some of the things that actually took place in church. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about staying faithful to the truth, but we look at avenues and opportunities for things that men would be interested in doing outside of the walls of church to get them comfortable with hanging around with these other guys, to see how these other guys live, then because of the result of that and starting to create new friendships with these other men, they might be open to actually come to a Bible study for men or something. And then secondly, if you're a writer out there, you write music, come on, let's step it up. All right, go back and read some of the old hymns. Again, I'm not advocating hymns. I'm saying you you look at the richness of it. You look at the theology in there. Go back and read some of that stuff to get some inspiration. Don't look at what's already out there right now and try to do just another version of stuff that we already have. Go look at some rich lyrical writing of music, of songs to sing in church, songs that have you feeling like it's victorious. We won already. We're winning. Christ has won the battle. There's so many impression out there. Is You know, I've even seen these memes on social media and stuff. This is Jesus is going to win. There's a mindset out there that there's still this struggle, and which is why some of the worship is, oh, please help me, Lord. If you'll just come down here, please come be in our presence. Again, untheological. If you do not understand that because Jesus Christ, God of the universe, is omnipresent, he's already in your presence. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, everywhere you go, he is. Whether it's in the church walls or out of the church walls, he is in your presence. You don't have to beg him to come into your presence. And so often that's happening in the church. Oh, please come down. Please intervene. Be in our midst. We call upon you to come down. He's there. He was there before you showed up. So we need to get our act together in a lot of different areas. The time is short, and we live in a time in our history right now where people do want the tickling of the ears. They want the feel-good Christianity. And that's why some of our music is this feel-good, kind of love song, emotionally driven songs that aren't not all, very few for that matter, are rich with power and victory in them and done in a theological way. I mean, there's songs that are out there that seem to be tough songs, but they're all about declaration. I declare this. I declare that. Well, again, that's an unbiblical position. And I deal with this in my series on the New Age Law of Attraction, and you will see that. I'm not going to go into detail now, but you can go back and listen to that series. It's a three-part series where this whole idea of declaring things, declarations. God didn't give us that power and authority that we declare things, and then he snaps to it and does whatever we declare. Okay? Again, I'm not going to get into that subject, off topic. Go back and you can listen to those podcasts if you have not done so already. All that to say that as I have been thinking about this idea for a long time, and once in a while periodically will come off with a comment and not able to expound upon my comments or thinking, I thought, what a great opportunity 
to sit down behind the microphone and talk out this stuff I've been feeling and thinking for such a long time. Hey, thank you so much for taking the opportunity and listening to this podcast. I know there's a lot of voices out there, a lot of things you could be listening to, and the fact that you give me a little bit of your time. I completely appreciate it. I'm so thankful. Until next time, God bless you.